Welcome to the Multipurpose Room, a podcast helping school organizations and school administrations achieve their goals. Each episode discusses real-life topics that PTAs, PTOs, and school staff are dealing with. Our hosts and guests offer practical tips, learnings, and best practices to achieve their desired outcomes. And here are your hosts, Wesley and Deborah Jones. There is no doubt that over the last year, the educational system has undergone a complete evolution. And there's a lot of discussion about the impact of that change on parents and on students and what good or bad consequences it will bring. But there isn't as much as I'd like to see on the impact on educators. And really, when we think about it, educators are not only dealing with the change in their personal lives, but their day-to-day careers have completely changed from under them. They've changed from what they thought they would be to something totally different. And that may be positive for some, may be difficult for others. What is certain is that dealing with change can be a challenge and that putting one's well-being at the forefront of that can really help to manage through change. In celebration of the school break, giving thanks and giving back, we wanted to drop this special episode about investing in our teachers. We hope that people will take the downtime to invest in themselves and the educator community around them. So today we're speaking with Rebecca Arnold of Root Coaching and Consulting. She spends a lot of her time working with educators on their well-being, both pre and post the change that has happened recently. But she has some tips on how to deal with the evolution and put your well-being at the forefront as an educator. So welcome, Rebecca. Welcome. Thanks. It's great to be here with you. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you came to be in this space? Sure. So I had a law degree, and that was begun with my interest in education equity. And so I had taught sixth grade in Palo Alto, which had students from Palo Alto and East Palo Alto. Uh, East Palo Alto, for those of you who don't know, is like a very small urban area right across the highway from Palo Alto, which is a more affluent area. And I saw very quickly the stark contrast in my students' educational background. And that, combined with my experience in the Providence schools and college, really spurred me to pursue law and looking at ways that we could change systems and policies to support students more broadly. So after law school, I worked with the U.S. Department of Education and in various education nonprofits on social emotional learning policy, career and technical education, as well as uh, family literacy, working on the unification of families where there was a parent in the correction system. So I've kind of had this broad swath of experience, and then it led me into coaching work. And so it has been a real privilege to marry a lot of my interests in personal development, in supporting educators, and in my experience in the policy realm to kind of bring that more on the ground to support educators, recognizing that if we're not supporting our educators, we're not doing the best we can for our students. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about how you specifically have worked with educators in the K through 12 space? How do you usually work with teachers or educational leaders? Sure. So I have done a number of talks. I have a framework for self-care that helps them see all the domains of self-care and ways to look really holistically at what their needs are 
So I've done a number of presentations for school systems and for school leaders and superintendents in this space. Even prior to COVID, there was what I called an epidemic of stress in education from preschoolers all the way through superintendents. And COVID is just exacerbating that. So I've done a lot of presentations on stress and the impact of stress on educators and strategies for mitigating that stress, as well as running groups for educators that marries mindfulness and self-care, as well as coaching to help educators really have a range of tools to draw upon to support themselves and also to recognize where their strengths are and where their purpose is as a way of kind of anchoring them in the day-to-day. You mentioned the epidemic of stress. What led to that? And then how did COVID exacerbate it? So we've seen the kind of upward spiral of education and academic demands that are starting, you know, what was once expected in first grade or second grade is now expected in kindergarten. And so teachers are feeling the pinch of that, where they're asking, kindergartners are being asked to sit for longer and longer periods of time, to write and to read at much younger ages than they were before. And so that kind of downward stress has been pushed on educators and on to students. And it's partly as a result of testing and as a result of more robust standards. And so educators are also asked to do more and more with less and less. So fewer resources, students' needs are getting more intense in terms of trauma that students have been exposed to. We've seen an uptick in anxiety among students. And so there are more and more functional behavioral analysts needed in school systems and Teachers are needing to have this broad range of skills in terms of managing conflict for students and supporting trauma-based instruction. And so we're seeing it's sort of a pressure cooker when you look at all the bits of that system, and then we have COVID come in on top of that. So I was already doing this work because of what I was seeing, and then COVID just really heightens it. And how does that pressure cooker manifest for teachers? In other words, what What are you typically seeing teachers feeling as a result of that? So one part of the impact is seeing a downturn in their feelings of self-efficacy. So feeling like they're good at their job, feeling like they're able to meet their students' needs in a way that they've been trained. So part of it is a gap between what the expectations are and what their training has been. And teachers by and large, as a group, are, of course, caring and want to do right by their students and make an impact. They've gone into the field because they want to serve. And so when you're in a situation where you have that sort of foundation and then you're met with these challenges where you feel like you are not able to do your job effectively, many educators turn it on themselves. So feeling like, I'm just not as good of a teacher as I thought I was, or I'm not equipped or maybe I shouldn't do this at all. And so that's part of why we see such turnover. And it's why we're seeing even more indicators of reduced self-efficacy after COVID, reduced morale, and feelings, anxiety, fearfulness, worry, overwhelm, and sadness. So there there were a lot of surveys that um, were done in the spring, and those were some feelings that educators reported. And I'm sure for educators, there's got to be a lot of people who deal with this differently. Once you've been in education for a few years, you probably deal with the challenges a little bit differently than somebody who's a brand new teacher. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about the differences and, and the impact of what's going on now or the stress levels have on new educators versus experienced educators? So many experienced educators developed lots of tools along the way, both for themselves, for self-care, but also for how to manage student challenges. We know classroom management is one of the biggest challenges that new teachers face. And when you look at what supports new teachers, it's collegiality, it's professional development, it's having someone to go to when there are challenges in your classroom or with curriculum. And so in this era of COVID, we're seeing veteran teachers really struggling with new technologies and having to teach really differently. So the mentors who were once available to new teachers aren't as available both time-wise and in terms of the skill set that's needed to teach students in the age of COVID. So there's some questions around, for example, Google Classroom and how to manage that. A veteran teacher is figuring all of that out themselves and all of the various remote learning options. So there can be very little bandwidth to support new teachers. That makes a lot of sense. And I like the way that you described it previously, where it seems like there's kind of two things going on. The first is some of the causes of the stress, which to your point, came pre-COVID with lack of resources, shifting in student needs, shifting in pressures. And then there's also how those manifest in for teachers, right, in terms of what they feel as a result of those things. In terms of supporting the feelings and the, the personal well-being, what can teachers do to ensure that they are creating a system that provides them with support? So the first is as much as possible to be really honest with their supervisors about what's happening. So there can be this kind of suffering and silence dynamic that can happen in education sometimes. And so my invitation is just to be really honest with what's happening for you and ask for the support you need. The second piece is to ask for programming that is just focused on your own well-being. So one of the things I love about what I bring to schools is that it is not at all about instruction or what's happening in the classroom or a new curriculum or anything like that. It is solely focused on the educator's well-being. And there are lots of offerings out there that are solely focused on educator well-being in terms of mindfulness, meditation, yoga, strategies for stress management, and all of that. And so having teachers ask for that is really important so that administrators know that there's a groundswell of that. In the midst of all of the other demands for professional development, what I've seen from surveying some teachers who I've been involved with is they're asking for time to prioritize well-being. They're asking for offerings to support their well-being. They're asking for meaningful check-ins with the people who they are working with and working for. They're asking for time to talk with their colleagues about the realities on the ground. And so these are just a few ways that they can start the conversation in their districts and in their schools about supporting educators really effectively. I think that that point, that last point about the support really needs to be highlighted because you also mentioned this in an answer a couple of questions back. Veteran teachers had created these support networks for themselves, right? And they probably had that both within and external to their school. Those networks have changed. I mean, just simply by the mm -hmm. fact that we're not going into a physical building in many states. 
you're not necessarily having those in the hall by the photocopier in the office conversations. And so having to recreate that, it's important, I think, that teachers do recreate that in this virtual world and that schools can support them doing so. So that's just one way I think that schools can help is by creating virtual avenues to support those hallway water cooler type discussions. But what are some other ways, what are systems and structures that schools can put in place to support their teachers' well-being? One idea that can work really effectively is just before any meeting or professional development to have time for people to connect in really meaningful ways. So what's happened is that many staff have even been bifurcated, where half are doing remote instruction and half are doing in-person instruction. That's happened in my children's own school. And so staff that have been together for decades are no longer seeing each other. And so building in those virtual opportunities for connection can be really vital. And school leaders can do that quite easily by just building in a little bit of time at the beginning or the end of meetings or professional development. The other is offering just virtual trainings where teachers can come together and talk about what's happening in their classrooms and what their challenges are or learn meditation strategies or talk about what new strengths they're developing through teaching in different ways. So that's one of the things that's been really overlooked is really giving people an opportunity to look at where the new opportunities are and how they have grown and what strengths they've developed. We can get really mired in what's not going well. And what we see in a lot of personal development research is that we can get even further by looking at our strengths and looking at what's going well and celebrating that. And so having school leaders and district administrators build in time for that can be really supportive of educators having a real anchor and foundation instead of dwelling on what's not going well. I like that highlighting of the positives and building in time at the beginning of meetings. I think what's really critical for administrators to remember is that it might take some time for those networks to develop. Mm -hmm. So when they build in time at the beginning of meetings, sometimes that time has to be facilitated more strongly. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is having like an icebreaker conversation to get people started, right? Because I think sometimes people feel awkward speaking on webinars Mm -hmm. when they haven't maybe before. But if you force the discussion at the beginning, it then takes off more naturally and then it becomes a natural part of future meetings. And so I do think that that is a good strategy to use. Have you ever heard of or read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yes. I don't know how you feel about that book. I'd be curious to get your thoughts. And if you haven't read it in a while, no problem. A long time. I think it was college. Fair enough. (laughs) It's a super quick read. It's a book by Spencer Johnson, and it's all about dealing with change. And it's about these four characters who are mice, and they had their cheese in a particular place, and every day they went to get their cheese at that same place. And then somebody moved their cheese. And they all have different personalities and dealt with that move differently. And so as a reader, you relate typically with one of the characters, but you see the strategies of the other characters. And it's a really neat book to use when having discussions around change and how different people deal with change and recognizing that it's okay to deal with change sort of quickly and put it behind you. It's okay to deal with change by working through it. 
It's okay to deal with change in many different ways. And I think highlighting the positives of each person's way of dealing with the change can really be a helpful way to move people through that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing you're really pointing to is normalizing whatever it is. So whatever your own reaction is. So when I talk with groups, I like to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which as we all probably saw in, introductory, in our introductory psychology class, it starts with basic needs and then goes up to safety. And then after that is belonging followed by self-efficacy, and then self-actualization is at the top. And you can't move forward until you've met the level below. And so for many of us in the pandemic, we were at the very bottom tier. And every time, and then we can move up to, you know, the next tier and looking at safety. And if we're feeling safe, we can move on to belonging and love. And so our teachers are operating within that domain as well, right? So if they are feeling great about a lesson and then and are doing in-person instruction and are worried about their safety, they're going to drop down. It's going to be really hard to then focus on a lesson or connect with students and all of that. And so we have the normal, quote-unquote normal, discomfort and challenge and stress of the pandemic. And then on top of that, we have whatever reality the teacher is facing in any given day. And then on top of that, it's whatever's happening in that school system to breed uncertainty or certainty and safety and all the other components of feeling comfortable at work. So when we think about teachers within that system, they're all three of these operating at any given time. Yeah, that's a very complex infrastructure to operate Mm -hmm. in and has a lot of variables and moving parts. So I think it's really important to be able to equip our teachers to to deal with that. When you do sessions, is it typically like a one-time session for a school? Do you, like, what's the, the typical structure just for schools thinking about engaging somebody like yourself? Mm-hmm. So I have sort of two different ways of operating, and I actually like to do them synergistically. So one is just to do whole staff presentations where we'll talk about a framework for self-care and creating a self-care plan that you can put into operation. You get hooked up with a buddy who's going to back you up to ensure that you're prioritizing self-care. And so people walk away with very clear strategies and a plan and what they're committing to in order to really regularly support themselves given the stress that they're under. I have a number of presentation topics that I speak on. Another one is about how you manage in the moment stress. And I teach a whole system for doing that when there's a high stress situation. So in addition to sort of broad scale staff meetings, I also do cohort based programs where we meet five to seven times in a small group, usually six to eight people. And I've done this with educators, with social workers and school counselors. And we work through a curriculum that is all based on personal development. So by the end of it, they've identified what their purpose is. They've reconnected with their purpose, why they went into education in the first place, and what their unique gifts are. They have tools for managing stress that run the gamut from, I will get a cup of tea, I will talk to a friend, I will take a walk. It's just looking at whatever's available to them. They connect as a group. So even prior to the pandemic, there weren't a lot of opportunities for educators to really connect with each other, human to human, instead of just showing up for professional development together. And so 
what I love about these groups is that we forge really deep connections. So when educators do see each other on a Zoom or run into each other in the hall, it's this automatic reminder, oh, we're going to breathe. It's, everything's okay. <laughs> you know, that they form those relationships and develop a range of skills together. And so it serves a lot of interest in one. And educators have said it's the best. It's the thing they most look forward to over the weeks that they've connected with colleagues they've worked with for decades but didn't really know. They've been able to be vulnerable and share what's really going on for them. And so there have been these just magic moments in seeing them working together while building a skill set and while reconnecting with their passion and purpose. Yeah, and if a PTA leader or PTA group came to you and said, we want to do something this year to make sure our teachers are as less stressed as possible, what are some of the things that mm-hmm. they could do as a group to help out teachers? Or what can they do to work with other parents in the school to better support teachers so they have less stress? So the first is I would ask teachers. So what they most need to support their well-being it's really kind of striking, actually, sometimes how seldom teachers are asked for what they need. So the first is just to do a very quick survey. What would be most helpful to you? The second would be well-being offerings, whatever based on whatever the teachers ask for. So if it's yoga, great. If it's meditation, if it's coaching, if it's a discount to an app to support them, like Headspace or Calm or all of, there's so many programs out there. It might be time. So lots of educators ask for time, I mentioned this earlier, to support their well-being. So working with a school leader, how can we create that time for educators? And then this is a little bit um, different from what I have talked about prior, but having PTAs really set the tone for how parents engage with teachers is really important. So one of the biggest stressors for teachers is engaging with parents and engaging with frustrated parents. And we know based on what's happening with how education is being delivered right now and how students are having very different reactions to remote learning, that teachers are going to hear a lot from frustrated parents. And so PTAs can go really far in terms of building relationships and building norms and expectations around how those communications happen. And I really think that that's an important role for PTAs to step into. I love that you brought up that point because I think now that parents are at home often, not always, but you know, a lot of people are working from home, they're able to have a a window into what their child is doing all the time. And so now they're forming opinions on how that teacher is teaching on a much more granular basis than if the child was out of sight at a brick and mortar school. And so I feel like the teachers are getting deeper constructive feedback, if you will, about Mm -hmm. like everything they're doing because the parents now have that window and have an opinion about it where they didn't before. And that added to all the other things that have changed and sometimes parents who are stressed because they're working from home and trying to manage multiple things can add to that pressure cooker situation that you discussed before. Do you think that when schools go back to a more normal state and we move through the pandemic and education returns to in-person instruction as the norm, 
Do you think that all this stress will go away and things will return to the way they were previously? Or do you think there will be some residual effects? I wish I could say that I (laughs) think they'll go back. Though I would say going back actually wasn't that great for teacher well-being and stress. We know that prior to the pandemic, 61% of educators said that they were always often stressed at work. Wow. Which is tied with nurses. And we have high principal and superintendent turnover. 44% of superintendents reported considerable stress and 15% reported very great stress. So I don't think going back is a great option, actually. What I would like to see is us go back to go forward. And what I mean by that is recognizing that the past is not sustainable for our educators and we need to do things radically differently to support educators recognizing that they are the front line. They are nurses, they are teachers, they are problem solvers, they are social emotional instructors. I mean, they cover such a huge range. And so I would love us to really look comprehensively at supporting them. And we know that when this pandemic is done, there are going to be increased rates of trauma. There's going to be education recovery needed for students who have not been able to progress at the levels they needed to. There are going to be likely greater demands for technical sophistication and using technology appropriately. And so we're not going back. And I think it's actually a huge opportunity that we have because many families have gotten an extraordinary window into what it means to educate children. And so I think that we can build upon a lot of goodwill and recognizing the vital role that our educators play. That's a great point. I mean, we've been talking so much about stress. That's a good way of looking at it is that this is a pivot point where maybe we can turn and do things a little bit differently than we have in the past and look at this as a new opportunity to kind of move education forward and give teachers support they need starting right away. It would be lovely to have a really powerful upside of all of this. Yeah, I think that you've made some really good points about there are some underlying structural things in the school system that need to be addressed. And then they're supporting our educators in managing the stress of the result of those underlying structural things, but also of the constant change and uncertainty that we're dealing with now. And then in the future, the residual impacts of the pandemic, for example, like you said, the students who may need some additional support going forward. But we need to fix the underlying issues as well as address and support the day-to-day well-being of our teachers. I think that some of the tips that you gave about teachers being honest with what's happening with themselves and asking for personal support, but also asking for programmatic support for well-being not just programmatic support for how to use Zoom, but broader than that, supporting teacher well-being, and that schools can, school administrators specifically, can build in time at the beginning of meetings for informal conversations to help build a support network. They can also highlight the positives and share the strengths that those teachers bring. And then PTAs and parents should ask teachers what they need and set the tone for positive engagement with teachers. I think all of those are really great tips for how we can support our teachers' well-being going forward. Did you have any last thoughts for our educators out there on supporting well-being? 
Well, first, I just want to thank you for the incredible job that you are all doing under extraordinarily challenging. Agreed. Thank you so much, teachers. Thank you. And I would just say, please reach out for support. It is absolutely normal if you are having a hard time, but please ask for what you need. And even if you're not sure what you need, I think even making an ask to be able to figure that out is really important, right? Just because you can't articulate what you might need, if you have a feeling there, follow that feeling and and get to the bottom of it. Because I think the work you're doing, Rebecca, is really important. And I'm sure you get some people coming to you that aren't exactly sure what to do, but there's something there for you to work with. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Your insights are truly valuable and our teachers need our support. They're dealing with a lot before pandemic, even more now. And I'm sure it will continue into the future. We'll strive to get better, but let's support their well-being along the way. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. Make sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school and subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on the show, we share additional resources on our company blog at k12clothing.com and click on blog. Thanks to Squad Locker for making this show possible. And we'll see you next week in the multi-purpose room.